Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolick and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. I am your co-host, Nicole Frolic, and I am also joined by my beautiful co-host, Lisa Watson. Uh, today, we have a new guest uh, on the show. Jeremy Lastman is a former SpaceX technologist who worked with Elon Musk to reinvigorate the public's excitement for space travel again. He is a business graduate of Chapman University and creator of the groundbreaking comic book franchise Mania. Jeremy's sole work, Imagination Technology, provides a powerful platform to upgrade negative realities from survival to peace and thriving passion, which nourishes life on all levels. Applying his love of professional wrestling, Jeremy's energy and mission is larger than life. You can find him contributing his genius to pioneering ventures, inspiring from the stage, and creating in coffee shops around the world. <laughs> Jeremy, welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. I just love hearing that reflected back to me. It uh, can't get over it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes our own bios, it's like, wow, I, I sound really good. <laughs> yeah. So... Professional wrestling, I mean, with everything that you're doing, how does that integrate into all of this? Well, I've been watching it uh, growing up. It was like that one friend uh, that was always there, uh, even when I, you know, felt like a loner, didn't really, you know, fit in, didn't really have school spirit, uh, you know, just kind of being that, that rebel. And wrestling was always that constant in my life. And as I got older, it became a study. Uh, I, I would study the, the intricacies of, of where the science and the art came together uh, for a performance, a live performance, entertainment show, sport. Uh, and, and it really contributed a lot to how I, um, to my research, to my work, uh, and to how I support people. Oh, wow. So yeah. have you been able to um, ascertain any cool life lessons that you that kind of merge the wrestling with technology? Mm, merge the wrestling with the technology? Well, uh, it, it's in the in, in the big picture. Um, for me, the big picture is where it's at. And I think that wrestling is is a perfect example of passion personified and and when you look at what passion is and and kind of how i understand it um as the 
has that the convergence of of the the left brain and the right brain, the science and the art. Um, that's that's how I got to my work, imagination technology, because I look at passion as, as like the the fuel of the imagination, and the more that you can open yours up and and really enhance it and uh, purify it in a sense, uh, the better that your whole body, mind, spirit, technology works. I, and and I kind of apply that metaphor to that. Oh wow! So what is imagination technology? <laughs> so it is uh how i look and mm, synthesize uh the separate silos of knowledge that we were kind of taught in in public school to separate um so in, by tearing down what we think of as our separate knowledge bases and, and let them play uh, imagination technology kind of came about as what I see as the next level of evolution, uh, because if you look at the progression from the industrial age, where we start to get the technology to the information age, which we're in right now, information technology, which is basically how uh, in it, like ones and zeros and, and data and information, right? So the next level to that is imagination technology. It's when we transcend uh, the binary or the duality and we go into, in, into quantum, in, into, um, into more possibilities and into more higher frequencies of, of reality. Wow. And so how does the imagination technology take you from the information technology in of the binary field into quantum like how, how does that work or what what sort of technologies do you use um well the way that i kind of look at that and and we're we're already kind of there it's just the more self-awareness to understand it so if you're in a a black and white reality um where it's closer to um, <laughs> closer to the animal consciousness than human consciousness. You know good and bad, and it's black and white, right? So there's good and there's bad. But as our intelligence evolved, as we become more self-aware as a species, all of a sudden, each of those words have different meanings for different people because we're in a subjective <laughs> a subjective uh, reality, right? And once you kind of extrapolate that, you look at good can have either a positive or negative charge and bad can have a positive or negative charge. So all of a sudden from there, we've went from two possibilities to four possibilities just by understanding that the charge, the emotional charge of a word is, it can either be negative or positive. And, and from that we expand our mind to be aware of how to um, how to transform or, or uh, alchemize uh, what we think of is is rigid and stuck and and uh, uh, very maybe linear to to more expanded possibilities again and, and more choice more freedom. Wow. Okay. So this idea of passion. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's so interesting because I'm mm-hmm. sure you've come up with this um, as well. People in this day and age are struggling to find their passion. Mm, yes. So how do you use this tech? Does this technology stimulate? Does the imagination technology stimulate passion? Um, mm. Or does it work with the... So this idea of, of, of stimulating passion is mm-hmm. something that a lot of people um, like are struggling with. And yeah. how do you overcome that? Or how have you, have you ever experienced that where you've lacked passion and then had to rediscover it? Yeah, that was basically the, the inspiration for, for getting into personal development was that I felt like I didn't know what my passion was. I felt like I wasn't creative and all of that. And I think to, to answer your question, it's kind of maybe not the answer that you're expecting. It might be able to sound a little counterintuitive, but to get to the passion, it's actually a game of subtraction instead of addition. So we're kind of trained to think of like, you know, when we read a book about like, even like how to find your passion or how to find your purpose, we're given all this information and we kind of are taught like, oh, like I need to like add things in order to become better. And then I can become like become, become, become. And you're like adding, adding, adding all of this stuff onto your onto your plate. But with imagination technology and the way that I uh, work with clients and, and have courses designed is it's all about subtraction. So that the more that you could subtract, the more that you get to the natural state of your passion. Uh, because you've eliminated all of the BS, all of the masks, all of the armor, um, all of the I like the inefficient identity structures that you were taught to and conditioned to carry uh, in your body, carry in your mind, uh, that are all based off of time. And and once you subtract, once you learn the game of subtraction then you just get to this natural state where, where passion is more effortless and flow. Oh, wow. I totally love that. And I think um, that sometimes the things that we feel are counterintuitive mm-hmm. uh, are actually exactly what is needed. Like for instance, the same thing can be said about pain. <laughs> you know, you yes. intuitively want to lean out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But what you really need to do is lean in. So mm-hmm. this idea of, um, when it's coming to discovering your passion, it's not about looking everywhere. It's about mm-hmm. taking away so you can reveal what's already there. Yes. Yes, precisely. So when you say taking away, do you mean like, the, like the busyness, like maybe you're doing too much or you're spreading yourself too thin, mm-hmm. taking more time to kind of let there be quiet? Yeah. What, I, what kind of things do you recommend being subtracted? So that's definitely a, a great uh, call for in, in the physical, uh, like you know, your physical space, your physical time of um, your activities and the, the way that you're doing your work um, and, and, and that. Uh, but if you understand the inner, it's all about the inner game. And I'm sure, you know, uh, your listeners understand that this is all about enlightening. So uh enlightenment and all of that, it's all an inner game. And so the subtraction that I really call on is to, uh, 
to really investigate and inquire how much time you're carrying in a certain emotion, in a certain thought, in a certain feeling, in, in the burdens to investigate how much time is actually contained in that and then applying the understanding uh, that, that you aren't in the time to help release it and, and remove it. What feelings do you find with the people that you work with are most prevalent to where they're spending the most time? Uh, well, the, the worry, anxiety, and stress. Uh, those are pretty much the, the first uh, things that usually get cleared because those are, are like how we're taught to live is like you got you to be worried about the future. You got to always be, you know, protecting the survival and, and all of that kind of contributes to a lot of stress, especially if you're sensitive. Um, so the, the, those things, once you, again, can understand that the, the body is not actually in time, then it makes it easier to see it more clearly instead of being inside of the anxiety and inside of the stress, you kind of zoom out, you get that 20,000 foot view and and see see it for what it really is it's just a thought and then it again you can remove it much easier because you find the choice do i want to continue carrying this do i want to continue believing this inefficient thing so the subtraction really is all about thinking it's about the thoughts because mm -hmm. like you said it is definitely all a internal game you know our outside reality is only a reflection of our yes. internal state of being so it's paying attention to those thoughts and getting rid of the ones that are taking up too much energy. Exactly. It's, that's what I feel and have experienced as the most direct. Of course, you can, you can focus on the external problems and, and kind of be a, a whack-a-mole with, with the things that you see outside. But if you want the most direct, the most efficient, uh, it, it is going to the root, going towards the, the inner uh, expression of these things. And then you'll find that the external reality kind of uh, fixes itself really fast. So how does the, how does the, um, how does the, uh, imagination play a role in, in, Ooh. um, this? <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a juicy question. Um, so if I can try to uh, paint a picture with the words here, uh, once we go, and I'm gonna try to keep this as, as non-intellectual, I wanna keep it very simple. Uh, as soon as we go from the body to the mind, we're actually going from uh, the third dimension to the fourth dimension. So the mind doesn't actually exist in the physical reality that we we're again taught or kind of unconscious to the mixed uh, experience that the, the the mind and body are kind of like one experience and that causes a lot of confusion. Yeah, like people are taught that their mind is their brain, but it's not. <laughs> yes, yes. So the next kind of uh, quote unquote quantum leap to understand what the imagination is uh, is to think about it like. We've gone, again, from the body to the mind. Now we're in the inner game. 
we're in the dimension of time. And now I want the audience to, or you guys to imagine that the mind becomes this like cube, like a, like a three-dimensional cube within this space. And that could also be a, a prison cell, depending on if you're really not free of your mind and the mind is you're kind of a victim to the mind. You're kind of stuck in that cell. But if you imagine around this box that there is an infinite space around this box that makes this box like a little pebble, that's the imagination. It's the field of infinite possibilities of which then the mind, that little box, becomes what we think we are. I love that. So imagination is any time we're kind of tapping into fifth dimension and beyond. Exactly. Exactly. And again, when you look at it from the subtraction, instead of like, oh, what do I need to add in order to like get there? The subtraction is just getting closer and closer to the innocence of the child state, which is pre-identity, right? Pre-mind. They're very pure in the innocence. And that's because they're they're playing within that that infinite field themselves. Does that does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, talking, totally to, makes sense. you're talking to two girls who <laughs> explore the child self very much. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yes. it's that I am nothing, I am no one, I am no time. Mm -hmm. It's that space. Timeless, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So as you, okay, so the, the, I, I liked how you brought in this idea of the cube being like a prison of the mind um, or the mind being a prison in a sense, which you're right. Many of us fall victim to it, to it, regardless if we have all of this awareness or not, there are times where you fall prey to that mentality mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the belief system. And so how do you help people tap into their imagination to break free of that? It's through, uh, through the application of, of quantum mechanics. So by again, releasing the, releasing the belief in linear time. So once you get clear of your belief that you are just one timeline, past, present, and future, and that can suddenly expand and become more nonlinear and multidimensional, again, because if you think, if you're too identified with the body, then you're just this physical body and that's how you interface with, with your life. If you think you're just the mind, then it happens, but in a different dimension and you become more mental, you're stuck, stuck in the mental realm. But if you can understand multidimensionally that you're not just 3D, you're not just 4D, you're not even just 5D, but you're the infinite, uh, the infinite funneling down into a finite, you can start to play with possibilities. So in simple, I show people more choice. More hmm. choice gives people the choice. Uh, without the choice, they don't have the awareness or the the uh, the conscious uh, ability to choose their own evolution. Um, but once you paint a picture of like, here's where you think you are, but here's another choice. Would you like to make that choice? Would you like to clear that time? Would you like to get out of the stress? And more often than not, or always, it's like, hell yes. And then boom, they make that choice. And it's so to me, the freedom is in the possibilities because then you can choose new things. 
Yeah, and a lot of people feel like they don't have those choices. Mm -hmm. They don't even realize they're programmed to believe in such limit limitation. Exactly. Exactly. I really like that because it goes back to the inner child where children don't limit themselves from choices. You know, when they're well, at least toddlers until we, you know, beat it out of them. (laughs) <laughs> Until we sandwich them into reality versus make-believe and tell them don't go into the make-believe anymore. Exactly. but this, mm-hmm. And I've been practicing that as well as reminding myself that I have choices. Yes. That, and, it, and when you're doing inner child work, it's very comforting for your inner child to remind them that we have choices. We don't have to be locked into this. Like we can try this and then we can change our mind if we decide that it's not something that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, yes. That is the ultimate um, understanding of what it means to be limitless. It doesn't mean that you have no limits because then by the definition of no limits, you're limiting yourself to never having limits. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's the idea of knowing, like Lisa said, you can change your mind at any given time whenever you want. Yes, yes. And that's empowering. And a lot of people feel guilty for that. Mm. Tell me about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, I've been babysitting this three-year-old lately. And, and the reason that I'm babysitting him is so that I can be around a three-year-old uh, because I've been wanting to, I've just felt the need to be around a child of that age. And I just yeah. love them and, and it helps me practice conscious parenting. Yes, he's and, teaching you. Yeah, he's definitely teaching me. And I have two grown sons in their mid to late 20s. So it's been a long time since I've been around small children. And I've learned a lot since then. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking about this yesterday, watching him and he, he wanted, he said he wanted pizza. So, you know, we gave him a a slice of pizza and then I cut it and he was like, Oh, I don't want it because you cut it. You know, now it's not in one big piece. It's in small pieces. And (laughs) no, I don't want that. And I'm like, okay. So his mom's like, fine, have the other slice. I give him that. And then once that comes, he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want it. And I know like from a parenting point of view, it's so ingrained in us to be like, like there's something wrong with the child. They're like, well, you just mm. said you wanted it. Like what's mm. wrong? Like, why don't you want it now? And like, we put a lot of emphasis on the change of mind. And I sat in that moment, you know, just looking at it for a minute when he said that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? That's okay. Cause you have choices. Like if it were the only thing that we had to eat and, and it was, is what it is or whatever, then that's one thing, but it's not, you know, it's just leftover pizza. So we have choices. And I was just thinking like when you're really conscious about what it is that you're saying, and is this coming from an old program and an old belief and what am I really encouraging in here, you know, and how do I want this child really to see the world and see himself? It's really fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, and that just kind of sparked uh, another answer to one of your questions that kind of relates to all this is the power, the transformative power of curiosity uh, on all fronts. So even just asking him why, uh, he would have felt, you know, be able to just give the answer. Why? Oh, I don't feel like it. Then it's like he's understood. You understand. But the curiosity is so important because that opens up possibilities curiosity. Mm -hmm. It's so important. I mean, if you're not curious about anything, you're lacking so much inspiration. 
Like mm-hmm. you're you're not inspired. You likely don't feel alive inside to, to be curious about anything. That is such an important um, feeling or state of being, I should say, to be in because yeah. it just promotes expansion. It promotes wanting to learn and understand and deepen your awareness. Yes. Yes. Well said. <laughs> so I have a question for you. <laughs> I don't know if this curious. is going to throw yeah. me for a loop, um, yeah. oh, but I'm curious. curious. <laughs> We're um, all curious. Yeah. I'm curious to know if through the imagination work that you've done for yourself, okay, and integrating that in uh, to um, really break down the barriers of the imprisoned mind belief system, mm-hmm. how, since you're, since you are a professional wrestler, you're really interested in professional wrestling, um, you must be very- I'm not a wrestler myself. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're just a fan. Oh, okay. So that maybe that changes my question then, because I wonder- if you were physically active in that sense, you would be really tuned into your body. Yes. And I was just going to ask you if you've had any experiences where you're there, you've, you've felt and witnessed a change in your body due to the imagination technology. Yes. I mean, um, just over the last, I mean, the last few months, the last year, I have noticed a dramatic change in my physical body uh, through, uh, self-image through just investigating and being curious about self-image and finding out where the shame, um, shame was. Uh, so there, there has been a lot of transformation in my physical body, a lot like, you know, less, less weight as I've <laughs> lessened my weight, uh, in terms of the amount of negativity I've been carrying against my self-image, Um, and it wasn't a lot of, you know, changes in diet or, uh, you know, working out every single day and and things, but it was like, cause I'm, I'm more rebellious. Like if you tell me like, I can't, I can't do something or something's not possible, then I, I will look into that. (laughs) And, um, and so in in that rebelliousness, I was like, no, I, I think the body, the, if you, can find out where the mechanics of the self-image are, then you could, you can change your body. Like that's, that's the edge, that's the leading edge of conscious evolution right there. Um, or one, one expression of it, one application of it. Um, so yes, yes, I have. Um, oh, and it's, it's, it's amazing. That's so interesting because I've been discovering something too about weight, but I'm curious, um, about what the mechanics you found for yourself were in shame. If you don't mind sharing, I know that could be maybe too personal, but it might oh, be really helpful absolutely. for other people to understand. Yeah, I, I'm the last few days. The shame uh, has been, I think, in in the collective consciousness. It, I mean, it's been a major theme in my life, um, and and something that I, I could I want to continue to apply my work and 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 uh, you know content wise. But um, so I'm going to try to slow down and get into the emotion of this. So the shame in my body, the self-image, uh, was really, I think, connected to a worthiness, uh, self-worth and self-esteem. Um, there, 
can you can you ask that question again? I apologize. Can you just ask what you were getting at? No, absolutely. I'm just curious what the mechanics were for you around discovering what it was with the shame that was um, mm. causing you to like hold on to weight or put on weight. Ooh. Body perception, that all that body, all stuff. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how early we want to go because I was a very neurotic kid, uh, you know, uh, uh uh, growing up really neurotic, overthinking, um, overthinker, highly sensitive. Uh, the place where I feel the weight started to carry in terms of, of the negativity, it, it is negativity. Like that, that's kind of t the answer to your question. It's, it's purely negative negativity. Um, but it, it was around being an unconscious empath. So basically, uh, family, uh, school and all of that and, and people, uh, crowds being, being a sponge to energy without knowing it. Uh, because you know, when you're, when you're not aware you're an empath, you're taking on all of this energy and you're identifying it as your own. So all of that, I feel contributed to the amount of weight that I was carrying. And then turning all of that inward on myself as like a, you know, judgment and uh, where, you know, comparison to other people. And of course, like the uh, Hollywood ideal, you know, marketing media kind of in self images and where I didn't stack up height wise and, um, a whole, I mean, all, all of that, all of that really contributes to that, mm. like just shame for uh, feeling different and, and feeling like, you know, I don't measure up in some way uh, to, to some, you know, imaginary ideal that, that was just propped into me by, by the things that were around me growing up. So basically like taking on everyone else's um, programs of shame when yes. it comes to like especially body and fitting in. Yeah. It's interesting. I've discovered, I've discovered something really interesting about weight gain and weight loss, um, which I've talked about in one of my videos. And I think I mentioned here on the podcast a couple episodes ago, but it resurfaced again. And mm. so I had gained some weight and uh, for about six weeks and it was about six pounds that I just couldn't get rid of. And then finally, when I, I realized, oh, it's water retention mostly, which means I'm mm. holding on to emotions and I have to discover that. And so I, I discovered the emotions and I went in and I did a massive cry fit. Like I just went into meditation mm. and all these tears just came for like a hard hour. And within 12 hours, I had lost all six pounds. And so that was very eye-opening to me. And I was like, oh, wow, I've got, I've got to keep that in my, the front of my awareness because that's one of the ways my body's definitely communicating with me. Uh, and so recently, um, like, you know, and I kept the weight off for, you know, about uh, almost two weeks. And then all of a sudden it just sh started shooting up again for no major reason. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Again, eating pretty healthy. And so I was like, oh, there's more, there's more surfacing right now. And so I went into meditation and through my imagination, 
That's why I wanted to talk about it. It's, it, it even like, cause I've, I worked on it last night, the last two nights and, um, the weight just dropped right off again, uh, after these two meditations. And last night I was with working with my inner child and I was taken through my imagination into a very, uh, a forest, but very different than what the forest is we usually go to. This one was more enchanted. Like it mm. felt very, um, like avatar feeling mm. like that, you know, like things were lighting up in the forest and all of that. And I mm. could, you know, was very tuned into the bark on my fingers when I was touching this tree and just kind of leaning against it, sitting on the floor. And then I could hear my inner child walking up. I could hear the crunching of the floor, the forest floor under her feet. And she came and sat with me and she was just really sad. And she was, she was scared. She was really scared. Um, there was still some emotions that hadn't purged. And I think when we do this work, sometimes we feel like if we do it one time, it all comes out. But I'm sure it's mm. like an onion, you know, you you take off, you purge and then it feels good and then it's ready for a new layer to come out. And I felt mm. like, okay, there's more surfacing here. And out of <laughs> out of nowhere, this angel shows up, uh, mostly all white light. I could kind of see wings, but it was mostly just light. And this angel worked with us. And as this angel worked with us, she brought in new memories of my past, um, of where some of this trauma was that um, I've been needing to release emotion around. And so it was very interesting how the emo like the imagination was allowing me to release the mind's mm, need to suppress the trauma. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, some of the memories started coming back. And so it helped me connect with the emotions and there were more emotions that needed to be released around um, not like feeling like it was my fault. I did something wrong and also just feeling really um, sad for myself for having to carry a secret for 37 years all by myself mm. and to hold that for so long. And the shame, since we're talking about shame, the shame that comes with that. And so there was a lot of emotions that got released. And, and of course, you know, the, it's interesting how our bodies communicate with us um, in many ways. And a lot of the times um, when it comes to emotions, when we hold on to them or we put, we try to stuff them down, it can take on the form of weight gain. Um, and clearly um, my inner child now knows that, um, especially when I'm about to depart to go to a beach in two days that I don't want to be gaining weight. Mm -hmm. So she got my attention. She knows me well. So um, yeah, so it was, it's just, it was very interesting to see how the mechanics of shame can show up and manifest in ourselves and how we can relate to the messages. Yes. Yes. I think we live in a society that, that promotes shame though, you know, just with TV and, Hollywood and magazines and everything like that. Like, you know, you're just, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's classic marketing or mm -hmm. old, old paradigm marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the social media these days with likes and mm -hmm. um, engagement totally. and, and all of that has kind of, because it's taken over the, the magazine, like the hard copies that we grew up with mm -hmm. and taken it to a whole new level. <laughs> where Yeah. 
Like you really have to put your best foot forward if you want to be accepted, you know, in the social media world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a whole new level of mm-hmm. um, acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, acceptance of false self versus acceptance of true self. Yeah, precisely. Wow. So you you worked with Elon Musk. Yes. Um, what exactly were you doing uh, while you were working for him? So I was uh, an employee of SpaceX back when it was a startup. Um, and I started uh, assisting the, the chief information officer in the IT department. Um, and as uh, I grew in responsibility, as the company grew, then I kind of um, spanned into marketing and did some video production and the, the broadcast technologies when they uh, have their live rocket launches. So how do you feel about space travel? Oh, it's, I can't wait to go one day. <laughs> Truly, I can't wait to go. <laughs> how do you feel about conscious space travel? Uh, you mean in like meditation and, and yeah. astral, astral? Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe it. I've experienced, um, a few lucid dreams here and there. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I, mine, my experience with it is not as vivid, uh, as some people have expressed. Um, so I can't wait to do it in the physical uh, myself. Um, but yeah, I, I've definitely experienced some things uh, in the astral for sure. Ooh, what kind of things? Um, it's it's interesting because for me, I don't I don't uh, see things. I, I more feel it. Uh, that's how I kind of interface with with it, um, and so it's not really symbols and images for me. So I can't, I can't really describe it, but it, it's, de- it's definitely just, um, how, how would I say like, uh, more of a, um, freedom of, of imagination. I, I guess that's the, that's the best way I can put it. I, I really don't have any specifics. So it you know, you mentioned um, in your bio that your um, that the whole space technology and space travel was yeah. to also invigorate like the passion for space travel again within the public. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see that shifting right now? Well, um, it, it's interesting because if you go back to when SpaceX had their first successful rocket launch. I think that was 2013, if I remember correctly. Um, The only entities that were launching rockets were governments and countries. So this was the first private company to launch a rocket into space. And um, the space shuttle program had been dead for a few years, or more than a few years prior to that. And so... NASA, you know, uh, apart from, of course, the space nerds and all of that, really didn't 
have a social media kind of uh, excitement to it. Um, and so after the first launch, I worked with Elon to do a, a music video, which was like kind of unheard of uh, in, in the, the space industry because only governments <laughs> and, and countries were doing it. Um, and, and so he picked this awesome song by Crystal Method and we made a music video uh, to just show how cool this, this stuff was. And, and so from there, it's just like, now people are, are watch, watching the, the launches. Uh, Amazon is creating a, a rocket now, Jeff Bezos. Um, Virgin, uh, uh, um, uh, Richard Branson is. Uh, so it's definitely getting a lot more exciting. Um, and, and people are starting to see like, yeah, we're going to Mars. <laughs> we're going to Mars. <laughs> so that, that's pretty amazing to me, at least, because I'm already a space nerd. So. <laughs> well, I think the whole idea is, is important because it, when we get back to the topic of imagination, mm. if you're not willing to explore what's beyond Earth and what's out there exactly and how what is life really like and, and um, you know, beyond what we're taught, you know, to believe, uh, it allows you to really explore imagination in, in a very infinite way. Yeah. It's important, I think, you know, like for the public to be interested in that and to not get so caught up in just this reality, as much as this reality is important because this is where we live and, and, and this is where we're meant to learn our soul lessons and, and heal, yep. do all of that. But to also draw upon the infinite possibilities of everything that's beyond this one. Yes. Yeah. Schoolyard Earth. School, it says schoolyard. Um, yeah. No, I, I love that. It's super inspiring uh, the way you put that because um, exploration into the unknown, uh, the whole, you know, Star Trek, Star Trek kind of energy and and the the possibilities the the next generation technologies that are going to arise from it um and uh hopefully the aliens that we meet the nice aliens that we meet along the process <laughs> yeah that <laughs> is definitely um one of the i think anyone who's really into this and is a believer that's probably one of the major highlights i think for many people is just yeah. contact um yes. Because, you know, the movies teach us very limited aspects of what the beings um, that are out yeah. there could be like. And, of course, when we talk about the quantum reality of infinite possibilities, um, I think a lot of our minds would be blown by all the different types of life forms out there. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you talk about how your technology um, upgrades these negative realities from survival to peace and thriving. Do you have a formula um, or a specific one that you can, like a specific negative reality that you feel a lot of people are in that you can take them out of to survival from survival to peace and thriving where they're mm -hmm. finally like nourishing their life versus um, living malnutritioned. <laughs> That's a it's a big wide question because again I'm a big picture guy and I really designed it to be uh, a very like a Swiss Army knife where where you can bring anything into it. Um, I think 
for me in in my heart and and uh what i've had to overcome and transform um i go to uh skepticism and cynicism uh and pessimism uh so it's because you're you're speaking to like a neurotic guy so i i like that intellect has gone towards the negativity um and and so those those three things are like the the uh the the web expansion of of doubt and negativity kind of taken to the neurotic level um and so i hope this doesn't sound like i'm avoiding the question but really on the big picture level, it's the negative world view. That is what I, uh, that's how I would answer that question because that kind of goes to the top level that would really start to uh, water down to everything else in the life because it's the negative world view, the way in which you see the whole world. If that's negative, then everything else is going to be negative and, and there's going to be really no light in the life. So if you can really get to that perception of how you are seeing and deciphering the world through that negative worldview, that negative filter, that it will instantly change so much because it's like the main way in which you see reality. So, I mean, how we perceive the world is how we perceive ourselves. So... Mm -hmm. If, for instance, say, um, you know, abundance is something that a lot of people struggle with, self-worth, mm -hmm. not feeling like they're good enough. Yeah. So if someone were really kind of viewing their reality from a lack-based mentality, yes. from that really limited place, how do you use the imagination to counter that? So a lack-based reality is actually a negative worldview. Uh, and that's why it doesn't feel good. And that's why it doesn't, uh, um, it doesn't reflect back <laughs> on you good either. Um, so again, I, I, if I sound like a broken record, it's subtraction, not addition, which again is counterintuitive to uh, what lack is trying to express as, as the illusion that it is. <laughs> But uh, it really, the, the math checks out on, on my front because the lack means that you're carrying negative beliefs on top of your operating system, on like in your programming and all of that. And so if you can subtract the lack beliefs and get to the truth of the abundance, then it naturally will flow more effortlessly. And, and how do you, do you go about finding those lack yeah, beliefs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, well, I'll just kind of go through how I do it in, in my course, I self, um, you go at it, uh, not necessarily linearly, but you go at it, uh, multidimensionally. So you start in 3d and, and you, I have a, uh, a hypothesis for people to, to kind of experiment with themselves. I'm all about empowering people to to experiment themselves. And so once you focus on the body, that the body doesn't exist in time, that is counter to what we believe. And so that would produce all of the emotions that are containing that time. And then 
within the mind space, the natural state of the mind is empty. And so everything that counters to that would rise up to be, to be seen and to be made aware and to be cleared. And then into the next space of limitlessness, everything that says is lacking, you would be proven wrong based off of the truth of the limitlessness. So that's what I take people through in my course. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's it's really all cool. about, right. It's all about, I always like to say, uh, the samurai level of discipline with yourself to be, have allegiance to the truth versus illusion. So if you can have your samurai sword slice all illusions and you have an allegiance to truth, then you're going to be much faster, much, much speedier, much more efficient in transformation because then it's about, it's not necessarily about the problems. It's about the illusions that you're believing unconsciously versus the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, and we think about um, like the void space, you know, going into the void and mm -hmm. it's within the void that all creation emerges from. And yes. so um, it makes sense that, you know, <laughs> as you get closer and closer to that void space, it's everything, like you say, is falling away. It's subtracting. Mm -hmm. And yes. uh, so that, yeah, that all, makes a lot of yeah. sense. And it's only the, only the false can be kind of removed. The, the truth can't. The truth is. Mm -hmm. It's constant. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, curious before before we we wrap things up. Yes. Is there a message that mm -hmm. you really love to share with people um, when it comes to imagination mm -hmm. and exploring passion? I think, I, well, the, the truth versus the illusion, that, that's a big one. Um, I, I, I really love uh, this quote um, from uh, Muji. He's a, a spiritual teacher that I watch on YouTube. I, I really love him because he's, he's even more direct than I am at the truth. <laughs> um, and, and when people are on this, this enlightenment path or self-realization or... Um, self-discovery uh, and, and, and uh, the, it's, it's, it's the passion, passion is, is fire. And he has this quote that says the fire of self-realization can only burn away what you are not. And so I really love that because the more that you are choosing passion and presence and truth versus the false and, and the ego and the illusions, the hotter things are going to get <laughs> because you're getting closer to that pure passion fire within you. And, and that fire is going to, the more that you are choosing your truth, the more it's going to feel like it's burning, uh, like it's it, that pain, it's going to be burning something that you feel like you need to defend. That survival instinct is like, ah, something's hurting, something's burning. Uh, like, 
you know, what my, my identity is going to be destroyed and where am I going to be left? And it, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a really violent process if you talk about it like that. But like these tough experiences, if you realize they're burning away what you're not, then you have much more peace to be present as, as these fires burn away the false and, and you're left with more of your pure essence. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of what I, that's, that's my message because that, I love that, that. Is, that is when, when you're getting to the purity of your passion, un, undiluted or un, uh, non-particled by fear. That's, mm-hmm. that's when you get to the purity, when, when you can uh, get all the particulates of fear out of your passion fuel. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, um, it's known by, um, the ancient, um, tribes and, um, that in order to have new growth, you sometimes have to burn down the forest. Yes. Wow. Wow. Exactly. That, that's a perfect, uh, perfect mirror for what I just said. I love that. I think identifying your own fears is the, is the hardest part. We're so used to medicating them. Mm. You know, not sitting with them and and be distracting ourselves from them that yeah. when it comes time to really get real with yourself and sit yes. with yourself and find it's not a simple process it's not just like okay here i am here's the things i'm afraid of it yeah. takes time and it like nicole said it's like a onion there's so many different layers and you find new fears and new yeah. things all the time mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and again, just to kind of like connect that to what, what I was saying, uh, is if you're treating, I don't want this to sound like uncompassionate, but if you're treating the fears as real, like that they're real things, you're going to like kind of give them power to express the, the reality of, of the, the narratives and and the what if scenarios and and all everything that the fear has the the puppet strings to do within you, but again, if you go back to that truth versus illusion, or or love versus fear, really is what it comes down to on a universal level. It's like any fear is an illusion. They're, they're really if you can be that samurai with it, then it's so much more efficient because you're going direct. You're going direct all the time, always direct. Yeah. And, and it's like this idea, I love this idea of the fire burning away, can't burn away what you're not or burns away what you're not, but it cannot burn away what you are mm-hmm. because, and it, and it takes me to the, the idea of, well, one, of course, the, the only one who's screaming is the ego <laughs> yeah, in, in yeah. that case. Um, yeah. but it also takes me to the idea of firewalking and how much you can overcome the fear or the belief that you're going to get burned. And if you are in your true power, you can walk through fire unscathed. Yes. Love that. <laughs> so it's very, it's, it's, it's great. And I, and I love this idea of fire too. I'm, I love working with fire. I know I worked with a fire <laughs> in past lives. Mm. Um, uh, but I love it because it, it, it has the ability to, like you said, burn away what is not needed anymore, what is not serving, but also give life to what wants to emerge. And, yes. and, and, and the way that you, you 
bring in that life force, you breathe into that fire and you, and you increase the, the passion. Okay. When we're talking about passion and this idea of fire and passion, it's like when you start tuning into that life force of who you are, you start to breathe that into your own fire and give it more life. And so it's just, I love the metaphor of the fire. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeremy, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us for the hour. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. I love the curiosity, the great questions. That's uh, that's my element. I love it. Well, let our audience know how they can get in touch with you or partake in any of your courses um, or teachings. Yes, they can go to jeremylastman.com uh, where they can see the, the courses and my offerings that I have there. Um, and then I'm pretty active on my Facebook page uh, for like Facebook Lives and, and other um, offers and stuff like that. And I think I can arrange... Um, uh, maybe we can put it in the show notes. I'll pass a, a coupon code, maybe like Enlighten or something like that, uh, where they can get a, a percent discount uh, just for listening to the show and, and heading over to my store. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, to our audience, um, you can get the coupon code in the um, show notes. We'll post that uh, once yeah. Jeremy has it organized. And uh, that's really generous of you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. I, 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 love, I love to do that. I want my work to get... Uh, more, more out there. So that, that, that it's going to be great. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you to our audience once again for joining us this week. We love you so much and appreciate you tuning in. Uh, take care and we'll be back with you guys next week. Bye. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're interested in contacting Nicole or myself for some coaching or any of the other services we provide, you can find out more about Nicole at inflexibleme.com. And my website is lisaloveslove.com. Thank you again for joining us and supporting our show. And we will be back with you all next week.